April 15, 2020. It's a lot for Pedro's show.
For Pedro Show, happy Wednesday. Uh, Ides of April, I guess you'd call it. And uh, we're safe at home still. So, Brother Matt, three miles south at the uh, Love Grotto on the Pleasure Point. I'm, I'm going to try to get, because with the Skype thing, you can't get three ways. So, I'm going to try that. Me and Brother Matt were talking about that. But in the meantime, I'm not, you know, I'm in my pad, but I'm not just man alone because of them engineers in Estonia with their Skype software. I got Matt Nelson with me. You're you're in uh, Knoxville, right? Yeah, that's right. Knoxville, Tennessee. No, we've had, I guess there's other ones, but that's the main one I know of. Uh, Mm -hmm. We've been having a few people on, and we're going to have a few people more because of... uh, uh, my connection with uh, Mike Begetta and uh, Mainstem Stop Val, MSSV, and I was just interested in what was going on. Now, I do know a musician from Knoxville that I did the last couple of years of Stooges with, Larry Mullins, who now, well, he's stuck in Vienna right now, but he lives in Berlin in Oslo, and he mm. came from there. So I, And I knew a guy named uh, Camp, and... Uh, so, yeah, there was, uh, God, what was the name of that place? It was two guys' names. But it was hard to play in Knoxville until the pilot lamp, you know? Yeah. For, was it like Patrick Sullivan's or something no, like that? No, or it was uh... two, two dudes' names, like Jim and Ed or Bill and Frank. Oh, yeah. And uh, I remember the yeah, dog man's sure. name was Bonehead or something, a native guy. Yeah. I think he actually came huh. out with Larry to Hollywood when he left. And then, actually, Larry followed Ig around in his station wagon with the drum set inside and ended up doing most of his 90s solo touring with him. But So that, you know, mm. to get a deeper understanding of Knoxville, I asked him. And, and so he, I think you're the first full-on bass because, I mean, there's been, like, we had Bark on and uh, Tim there plays baritone guitar but i think you're the first mm-hmm. full-on bass man i should tell people what oh. we started off the show with it was john coltrane doing an untitled original it might have had the title exotica and then pass number one from matt nelson now matt please tell me your earliest musical recollection well um my memory isn't so great of being young but um, you know, in a I way, there's no, some of the early... Matt, in a way, there's really no wrong answer. Okay. <laughs> cool. 
Well, I definitely remember watching movies young um, when I was a kid, watching like Star Wars and stuff like that, really feeling the power of music early on with that. But I and I took some piano lessons when I was young and things, but no, but if I didn't I had really to ask you for like a memory. If I had to ask you for a memory, you know, just some yeah. like shards, some scraps, some something torn from the ancient fabric of your mind, <laughs> what would that be? Star Wars? Yeah, maybe Star Wars, like, you know, watching Luke Skywalker watch the two setting suns with John Williams behind it. I mean, I remember being very young, being very moved by that. And, um, and you song. know, listen. Yeah, the go ahead. song, right? Star Wars, nothing but Star Wars. Bill Murray had a version of that, right? Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so a, a version of that, not the Bill Murray version, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it was kind of classical music, right? It was symphony or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, no, that definitely had a had a very profound uh, emotional the impact you, on me. That the pad you grew up in. Uh, did was there instruments in the house? Were your parents players? Brothers, sisters? Um, my my dad. Nobody in my family played really. My dad played a little acoustic guitar. You know, could play a few chords and sing a few songs he liked. Um, and we had an old player piano that about half the keys worked on and the motor in the player piano didn't work. So sometimes we would, you know, pump, it had those like this pump mechanism where you could pump with both feet and get the piano roll going. And it had like, you know, Billy Joel songs and stuff on it. And I would try to like, I would, I would try to play some stuff on that piano, but it wasn't really playable. And, and I, but I think I, I ended up picking around on that acoustic guitar a little bit when I was younger. So there was um, a guitar sitting around. And then uh, uh -huh. obviously there was no piano teacher involved, right? No, not early. No, I, I had a piano teacher for a little bit, but uh, when I was like maybe 11 or 12, but it, it didn't last very long. I wasn't really into it. Were you so playing at that on time, that, were you trying to play that player piano? I tried to, yeah. I would mess around on it sometimes. No, I mean with the I'm teacher. Most with, the, with the teacher. Oh no, no. Uh, I would like go to some studio, you know, okay. uh, that some some old lady had somewhere. I was in. I grew up in Indiana, so somewhere somewhere near West Lafayette, Indiana, oh, some wow. some older woman would teach me some piano at her house or something. So. I know a guy from there yeah. named Kemp. Yeah, no, oh yeah 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 he went through a bunch of cancer stuff i saw him on this last tour but uh oh no the hot summers there i remember <laughs> yeah yeah definitely so so what about and school? cold winters too. Yeah. yeah cold yeah best of both worlds and also a lot yeah. of humidity that's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah a lot of allergies too you know come come harvest season it was pretty intense There's for a, a lot of us so. the wabash is near there right yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, that's one neat uh, side benefit of touring. You learn geography a little bit, if you're aware. <laughs> uh, so what about school? Were you in the choir or the marching band or shit like that? Not. I did uh, orchestra, but not until uh, my senior year of high school. Um, what did um, you play? And I played uh, upright bass. That's when I first started playing the upright bass, so, was so around school, my senior year. So it was school that actually got you into upright. Yeah. Well, and I had a teacher. I started taking, I played electric bass, like started around 14, and then had a teacher at the university in, in Knoxville starting when I was about 16 and played electric bass with him and then 
he was like, if you want to keep studying with me, you got to play upright bass. And, and I'd also been starting to get into jazz around that time too, like Bill Evans and some stuff like that. And yeah, but let's go back. I How did really you get into the electric called, bass? You know? Let's go back, Matt. How did you get into the electric bass? Yeah. Because all I know about is uh, some piano lessons at an old lady studio and this acoustic guitar sitting around the house. So how you said you're 14? Yeah, 14. Um, yeah, I mean, I wasn't particularly interested in music before then. And then uh, the I think the defining moment that made me want to get an electric bass was I saw that movie, The Blues Brothers, you know, with... Uh, Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi and yeah, and I, I saw uh, you know Donald Duck Dunn yeah. yeah and and I just thought he was like the coolest motherfucker I'd ever seen in my life smoking a pipe yeah, playing was, a precision bass did you start you know? smoking a pipe <laughs> I, yeah I did later on I, and definitely influenced by that you know I tried it you know out what I just bit. found out yeah. he's not on Green Onions oh really. I know. Say, I thought the same fucking thing. So, 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 uh, you got. Well, you said you weren't really interested in music. What was the first record you bought for yourself? Huh. Well, probably. Probably it was it was either a Queen record or a Cream record. It was one of those two bands that I was into early on. Um, and I remember getting uh, Headhunters, the very first Headhunters Herbie Hancock album, um, wow. right around when I first started playing too. That was that was a big album for me. That very first. And what was the album. first gig that you saw? That I saw, man. Well, you, well you, I mean, you were a yeah. a spectator. You were a, you know a gig goer. Mm-hmm. Man, that's a that's that's a that's an interesting question. I mean, I saw a lot of music performed growing up in church and stuff and my dad would take us to some concerts i mean well those are that's a, that's a good yeah. question i'm not sure okay yeah 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 yeah, yeah. It's kind of yeah especially church it'd be hard to remember all the people but those are still gigs if, if, if you get up in front of people right you know yeah yeah so if those count if those count i've been seeing live music you know since i was born i guess being in church and seeing yeah, right. seeing people perform all the time so no, I was yeah. just going to say, because you've done, we call them character builders, so probably more people at those <laughs> gigs. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean by yeah, character Yeah, yeah. Here, Matt, I want to play pass number two. Yeah. 
that then wood door was open the entire time it rained. <laughs> Yeah.
Watch for Pedro show. Yeah, it's Matt Nelson with past number two, which is appropriate since we're talking about his past right now. Then Gareth Sager with uh, She's Beyond Good and Evil over in London. Schizofuel from Amarillo with She's Your Everything. High Heaven, Senor El Dios y David El Diablo Dios in South London. Thurston Less in Large, Windmill Impregnated and Running on Ball Barons. Something live from Crushed by Pimps. It's also South London. Captain Beefheart with a little poem, The Thin Wood Door. I think you might be getting He's been scouring the ubu.com uh, resources. David Thomas has put a lot of good stuff there. Guy by Voices with Stone Cold Moron out of Dayton. Bilge Pump leads. Moyle. Split Red. Fight Face. I think that's a. Uh, Seaford, Northern Ireland. Bart from Knoxville. Nothing to complain about. And finally, Smith Nelson Tillman. I'm improvisation number one. Okay, so you get what was your first base? You bought an electric base. What was it? I got this Squire precision base in like, you know, in like some sort of package with like a little fender amp. And stuff, it all came together in a pack for like, you know, maybe 200 bucks or something uh, for probably my 14th birthday, 15th, maybe 13th, 14th birthday. So you asked and You requested it. It was on your list. Yes, I did. Yeah, okay. Yeah, definitely. Now, yeah, we went to the guitar store and I pointed to, I knew I wanted a precision bass because of Duck Dunn, you know. So that's what ended up happening that, that birthday. You know, what was different about his P basses? Well, I mean that was the I mean that was just the first impression I'd had. No, no, but do you, you know, know that do was, you know the difference about Duck Dunn's P bass? I'm not sure if I know specifically what you mean. Well Leo made them so J's and P's interchangeable. I think mm-hmm. Duck had a jazz neck on his P bass. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't realize that. <laughs> yeah. That's uh I think I remember right about that. Yeah, you can put different neck. You know, they're bolt-ons, right? So, so yeah, right. Did you do the thing like with your friends after school, uh, bedroom, basement, garage, band kind of thing? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I had a crew early on where we would, you know, try to figure some things out. You know. Now, um, what do you mean? Did, were you trying to write your own songs, or were you trying to copy songs off records like me and D. Boone? Well, I I spent I we I spent a lot of time on my own trying to copy records, but when me and those guys got together, it was all I had a friend who had some recording equipment, so it was constantly like we might have done some covers and stuff, but we were just like trying to record and and play, you know, mostly our original stuff, writing like cheesy little jazz tunes with, you know, short little melodies and stuff and we could play some pentatonic scales on top of it, stuff like that. So yeah, jazz ain't um, too pentatonic, is it? I thought it's always that fucking two five one. <laughs> what's what's it? They teach you uh, uh, the rhythm. I got rhythm. <laughs> right, because the rock and roll using the R and B is you know the one four five, right? And so this, I don't know. 
Whatever. You know, Deep yeah. said punk yeah. is whatever we made it to be, so I'm into that philosophy. So so did this band have a name? Uh yeah, I think we called it uh the Green Fleece. Fleece at that time. Yeah. As as yeah. in what Jason was after. Yeah, right. Right, right. Uh and not the verb, right, which is like to kite people's shit. Uh did you do any gigs? No. Or was this just a uh, prac and record proj? I think we did a handful of gigs. Like, I know we played, like, a Battle of the Bands or something. Tell and me about we did, the first like, one, Matt. I want to know about the first one. About the first one? I, that probably was the first one. And uh, and I remember that I my, friend, my one of my friends in that band had, like, a loop pedal. And I had, like, just found out about Jacob Astorius, like right before this experience and i did some sort of like jocko-esque kind of you know like those solos he would do where he would like loop some little two-bar phrase over and over and and you know get percussion sounds with his bass and stuff and then would solo on top of it i definitely i did something you know my own you know watered down version of that now, uh, on that first gig he worked a j bass uh-huh yeah pulled the frets out yeah. right Yep, yep. And what did he replace the frets mm-hmm. with? I think he, he put some sort of wood putty. I remember him saying he put some sort of wood putty in some video I saw of him yeah, in there and, like, put a lacquer over it, you know. Yeah, I heard it was a boat epoxy. But you, you could still see the oh, line, okay. so he could do the good intonation because, you know, that's why Leo called the P-Base of Precision. Oh, yeah. You ever wondered why it was called yeah. that? No, yeah, I have wondered. Yeah, I didn't yeah, realize frets. that. <laughs> you could be precise, right? Because uh, stand-ups are actually big violins without a chin thing. Right, right. right. Uh, the symphonies were like that. They did it to all the instruments. You'd have big one, you know, sopranos for tiny ones and baritones for big ones. And they mm-hmm. did that with all the instruments. and uh, But even uh, saxes and shit like that, you know. So, yeah. Which is... Mm-hmm. Uh, Interesting. Uh, also, Jocko, you know, Jays have two pickups. Yeah. Jocko is a back pickup man. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I was just trying to imagine your little uh, tribute to him <laughs> on, your P, on your Squire P. Okay. Yeah, and I'm not trying to say it sounded anything like Jocko, you know, but <laughs> it was it was me trying to do something no, like no, that. No, 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 but just, just, just the idea of it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think he was inspiring to a lot of players because he really stepped out. Did you ever get into mm-hmm. James Jamerson? Uh, later on, like in, or like when I when I got into college, I was uh, definitely uh, uh, pe- people made me very aware of James Jamerson. Well, I'm and just talking he's about still a very lasting influence. This is almost philosophical, but the idea of serving the tune because maybe Jocko was not so much. About that. <laughs> nothing, nothing yeah, definitely at times he wasn't. Yeah, nothing wrong with yeah. it. You know, Robert found his fucking bass, gave it back to the family. Beautiful. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, uh, what was your first stand-up bass? Because the teacher, uh, what's his name? You should give him some credit. Yeah, Rusty Holloway. Yeah, um, Mr. Holloway. What 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 bass did you get for him? Well, he uh, I when I was in orchestra, I used the one that the high school had sure. and then 
when I got to college and kept studying with them, the school had a base there that I used for many years because I I was broke, you know, and, and they it had. cost a lot of money. Had, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was going to have to drop three grand on one if I wanted one, and that just, that wasn't an option at that time. So and that's probably still, I was, I was, that's still probably a plywood one. Like to get a spruce top. It was top, actually. To get yeah. a spruce top. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's duck, the base level. You know who likes the, the, the plywood ones I found out was the rockabilly guys because you could climb up the side. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they could take some more. Some more uh, love right, the K's, the plywood clay, uh, K's I heard is very desirable for the rockabilly guys. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And Those played, are good sounding. I've played some amazing K's in my life. Uh, yeah, too, absolutely. You know? And did you play a three-quarter? like most jazz U.S. guys, because you were in the orchestra. So I'm wondering if you played the full-on daddy. No, yeah, I didn't play the full-on. It's always been three quarters. Okay. And especially my, you know, my, I'm not the tallest guy in the world, so I don't think I could play anything larger. I've, I think I've played a full size at a bass shop once, but it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's not really worth worth it for me, <laughs> you know, to not be able to get around on an instrument. No, Mr. Know, Mr. Holloway, uh, was he, uh, did he get you into Arco? Yeah, yeah. He was um he was the first person that got me into classical music. Um okay. it's it was a thing with all of his students like cuz his main thing was jazz and and he he had, had a way more experience playing jazz, but um he knew, you know, if you're going to play this uh instrument in tune and if you're going to play well and not hurt yourself playing it, you know, uh get into the classical music is really important. What's and I played in orchestras for many years in college as well as did all the jazz shit too. But but, so. but you know, Mr. Chambers, Mr. Garrison, they both used Arco and they were doing jazz. Yeah, but they they definitely studied classical music. Um, um, <laughs> that was you're, that you're definitely. You're probably had right about that. You're right probably there. right about that. Matt, we're we're at the end of the first hour, the April 15, twenty twenty edition of Peter Show. Special guest, you, Matt Nelson. Hold tight for hour two. April 15, 2020, it's the second hour of the Watt for Pedro show. Mm-hmm. 
from Peter's show start the second hour with Heart from Matt Nelson and out of Rotterdam Stone with Bon Appetit and uh, Brandon Beavers, Adam Leon or Lion Matt Nelson you could help me, how do you pronounce his name? It's Lion, yeah yeah. it's not as complicated as as you might think yeah. (laughs) I thought it might be Leon you know English is the only one with the fucking I with the I sound Everybody yeah, yeah. Me, you know? <laughs> Too many options. So anyway, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you fucking read this title, but it's four O L or straight line. Uh, yeah, like the album is called uh, O L, and it's like that yeah. that symbol, the O L. Sure, you sure. can say old, you can say whatever you want, and four was just the take of yeah. that session. Okay. So. Okay, now I'll fair people. Me and Matt were discussing this this. You know, the arco versus the pizzicato, the finger versus bow. And and the role of the bass, you know, the, the, the it actually goes to the drum set in some ways because they uh, the kick drum was used as for bombs. And so the propulsive mm-hmm. bottom end thing was, uh, in jazz music especially, bebop, mm-hmm. uh, uh, a bass player driving the band with eighth notes. So he mm-hmm. usually saved the arco for his solos and stuff like that. Because, uh, mm-hmm. and we were saying, if, if you know, Earl Palmer in rock and roll, and they bring in the kick drum as like a beat-holding thing, 
instead of accent thing. It probably would have drowned the bass out because we're talking about days before. Although I think the first electric bass, even before Leo, that Rick and Becker made a stand-up, I think the bass part of the stand was the fucking amp. I know Ampeg did that too with the baby bass. Oh, yeah. yeah. So they're trying to get it going. And, then, and Leo would bring his basses to bands, usually country guys. He had a lot of friends playing country. But he brought one to a Lionel Hampton gig, and the bass player played it, and Lionel liked it. And even when that guy mm. left, the next guy, you're going to play Fender bass. But even my union card said Fender bass, you know, because that's what the electric <laughs> bass was. Okay. Yeah. But, I mean, as far as bass clef goes, we're talking trombone, right? <laughs> there's all baritone <laughs> horn, a tuba, a sousaphone. I mean, there's all kinds. I don't know. Uh, are you familiar with the mariachi? Some of that sousaphone is so fucking wild. And New Orleans has a oh, wild Oh, for real. Thing. Yeah, where there's a lot of notes going on, right? So, so, okay. I mean, you leave the the kind of academic world, right, to go out and, and be a bass man on your own, find your own sound, right? So, how was that? Yeah. How was that? Uh, it was good. I I left college before I graduated to join this uh, like folk rock band uh, that. A couple of my buddies from jazz school, they were also joining at that time. And it was like, you know, like a full-time uh, touring gig. So I did that for maybe uh, three years after college um, and, uh, you know, played upright bass, traveling around the country or what, whatever, doing that. What was this band called, Matt? It was called uh, Serious Bright. Okay. Um, Knoxville? Yeah, and it was... Yeah, Knoxville, Knoxville-based. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, I was with them for a few years. So, um, and that was a great experience. Got to got to place. You know, we did a lot of gigs opening for big, like big, well-established bands, where we got to play these giant rooms. You know, doing our opening set. Well, would you say this stuff. was a, a genre thing? Uh, what's it called? Amer Americana. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think Americana is probably most accurate. Yeah. <laughs> But you know, that's if there is you know, a most accurate. Me and D. Boom are out of America. I mean, so is Black Flag. I mean, that word is so <laughs> bizarre. I mean, the whole idea of genre, right? Music's music. Look, you got a, a song yeah. here, Matt Nelson and Ben Cohen. But mm -hmm. is the song called I? Or is it called Or just or Roman numeral one. Oh, or Roman yeah. numeral. See how confusing this yeah. language is? Let's listen.
No, but that's such an iconic. It's, I think he was I, just you know, a freak out of Tommy getting handed these chords and John just saying, Mr. Coltrane saying, look, there's just a couple chords you can just play. <laughs> yeah, no big deal. You got it. So a little bit of improv. I mean, I, especially the mood and the temperament, he probably always set that up and they were playing with him and, you know mm-hmm. what I mean, supporting him. And then, uh, you know, extend, uh, expounding on his statements or whatever. But, uh, I mean, to be a leader in an, imp- an imp- improviser band is a trippy kind of rudder man, right? Wouldn't you say? Uh, yeah. So t- tell yeah. people, uh, we heard Roman numeral one, people, it ain't lowercase l, and it ain't personal pronoun <laughs> i. <laughs> Which, by the way, you know, I love lowercase, but not the personal pronoun. You got to capitalize that one. That's the only one. Yeah, yeah. Unless I want to put yeah. emphasis. Then uh, Chris Burns out of Canada with Yikes, and then finally Future, Matt Nelson. Uh, which is like man alone, right? In his base. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What were you thinking yep. of when you composed something called Future? Well, the the name came afterwards, um, but that that track has I've been using these tuning forks recently to improvise with, and using them in different ways, like resonating different ones on my bass, and but also just using them like as chimes and. And something about the tone of a tuning fork just sounds like some sort of like alien sound to me, like it's the sound of the future or something like that. So that that track is like the middle of the album, and it's got this kind of otherworldly feel that it feels so fresh to me too. That it's just like, you know, this sounds like the future to me. So you ever trip on gamelons? On gamelons? Oh yeah, yeah. They got kind of that quality, right? Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, I love some of that music. Yeah, the, the tone is so strong, huh? And mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, you start these tunes, some of these tunes, these, I, I hear this, I didn't know it was a tuning fork, but that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah I bought like a few, uh, like about a year ago, I bought like a big set of like 40 medical tuning forks on eBay. And why are just they medical? The, the, what's that? Why are they medical? Well, you can use some of those things for uh, for different types of therapy. Like, um, you know, people will resonate these tuning forks and place them on your pressure points. And st- I don't know the exact science of it, but uh, they use it, you know, uh, like like you know, different like um, I don't know I don't know the technical terms for them, but some sort of massage therapist or somebody might have like a certain frequency that uh, reacts a certain way to certain pressure points and. People will like literally tune you up, you know, hit these tuning forks, put them all over your body and let them resonate like on, on your forehead resonance, and on your yeah, wrist. Resonance. And You know, the world is at somebody. I read somewhere they added up all the frequent. The, the whole universe is in B flat, but there's like re- resonance all over the fucking. Play. I mean, uh, uh, Nikola Tesla was big into that. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So there's. Yeah. I've spent some time going through these, uh, you know, like these recordings that nasa took of these um you know um of the of different planets and moons and and different things and the electromagnetic um you know recordings of these electromagnetic phenomena that happen on these planets you know and this shit sounds just like the improvised music that i want to make you know and uh it's it's crazy how nature you know uh creates you know some really deep music you know in that way I mean, it, it, it's probably a foundation, right? 
Uh, mm-hmm. Speaking of foundations, playing bass without a drummer, what's that like? <laughs> uh, depending on what it is, it can be uh, really uh, freeing or it can be really, um, or it can make me feel like I have to be the drummer, you know? Um, in the context of like, the gigs I play, play, you know, I play jazz, straight ahead jazz gigs in Knoxville and different types of gigs. But when there's no drummer on the gig on those types of gigs, I know I'm going to be uh, hurting after the gig and I probably shouldn't drink until the gig is done, you know, just because, you know, there's like there's kind of a physical toll that it takes on you. But also just like this mindset of like, OK, I can't float at all on any of this stuff. I have to be the uh, the authority on the time. But in an improvised situation, um, it's it's good for me because the improvised music I make is primarily just totally acoustic, no amplification. And um, I've spent some time trying to do that with drummers that uh, don't, you know, understand what I'm trying to do and just uh, play, you know, way too loud. Just you know, and um, they're not playing with that, you. So, they're playing against so, you. You know, when I saw the Les Paul trio. He, he didn't have a mm-hmm. drummer. It was just a stand-up and a rhythm guitar with him. And I think Elvis's first trio, there's no drummer. In fact, Rockabilly oh, guys yeah. came up with a way of slapping the string on the neck. Maybe Larry Graham got a slapping thing from it. Look, we're at the end of the second hour, April 15, 2020 edition. Wap Pedro Show, special guest, Matt Nelson. We'll tap for hour three. April 15, 2020. It's the third hour of the Wap for Pedro Show.
and join the daily workforce through its three departments. We are fed by, by CAFE, look to membership and communications to lead our daily struggle, and biz tracks everything. We deserve a mansion for being human and trying, celebrating the mission of the house, Yahara House, pillar of humanity, worshiping a mind to do the right to follow and go to work.
Pedro Show, we start off the third hour with Roman numeral two, Matt Nelson and Ben Cohen. Then we had Charlie Hancock doing jazz, chaz. Chaz, jazz. Yeah, C-H. Sorry for fucking that up, Charlie. Kangaroo Court, the only one of these, uh, that's Crane, both these guys from the hill. Crane down in Idaho. Joe Brewer with Yahara House out of Madison. And finally, Matt Nelson with Earth. And uh, maybe this was done at the same time as Future? It was, yeah. It's on that same record, recorded the same day, yeah. And the title Mm -hmm. probably came after? Yeah, it did. Mm -hmm. It did. Well, Mm -hmm. I should have asked you this before. What is the Future base? Do you have an idea? (laughs) Uh, I'm not really sure what it is. Um, I think that it... It, you know, it Matt, has to be Matt. something that doesn't exist yet, so Matt, I'm not Matt, sure. Again, this is one of those questions where there's no wrong answer. <laughs> 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 so let it let your flag fly, man. What do you what do you think is the future base? Um, I mean, I think I think the future of music is in for me, and yeah, I think the future of music is no, is, not music, bass. Um, bass. Bass, bass. The future of bass, I think, is in a way not bass. Is a way of like I want, I want to be able to make music that you know goes beyond what my instrument is, like physically and like what can act, it can actually do, what idioms that it is like everyone thinks that it should be, and like what this should be. Like I think that every instrument, and especially the bass, for a lot of reasons, has the potential to be much more than just a bass. Um, and and I think that. I think that everyone should know what it is before they go further. But I think that there is something so much deeper beyond the bass that is not just, you know, something that plays eighth notes in a rhythm section. Um, Not that that is, you know, I think that's a beautiful thing, but you know, how many times can we do, how many times can something play its role before it 
you know, kind of loses the depth and before we feel like we can't say anything else new with it, if that makes sense. Yeah, and to be fair, uh, you should be able to ask me the same question. Hey, Watt, what do you think is the future of the base? What do you think the future of the base is, Watt? I think, because I got asked this before, and this is why I ask other base dudes this, because it was trippy. And I, mm-hmm. at first I was thinking, yeah, maybe 12 string, 16 string, 35 string. No, <laughs> maybe the future of the base is it being used as a composition tool instead of the last fucking thing, except if it's reggae or something, mm-hmm. added on. Why can't it be the first thing? Even Charlie Mingus, right. you know, he composed on the fucking piano. Mm-hmm. So, so I put that to you. Can you see its role in the future as more as a composition tool? I definitely can. Um, I think that the problem is that, you know, like as a bass player, I've kind of struggled with this for a long time. Like because of what you're talking about, like it being the last thing that's considered, like a lot of bass players study and become great players, but all the time thinking like that this like note, like this, this instrument is an afterthought. You know, I think that's kind of the cliche that holds us back from like actually like, you know, being able to like conceptually think of the bass as something that is, you know, beyond what it is. Um, well, f- found I mean, that. I think, I think, I, mean, I think people like asking... Jocko were on the right track with that, you know, but also there, I think for people that aren't bass players, there are certain things about what Jocko does or any of those great bass players that is uh, not really universal to other instruments, you know, like um, just something about, the sound of it and it's yeah i wanted to uh, get into that the physics isn't it there's something mm-hmm. kind of foundational about it mm-hmm. yeah there definitely is there definitely is it i mean looks, it's the it it's looks, the lowest yeah it's it the looks, harmonic it's like a harmonic drummer you know like it's like a like a melodic and harmonic drum set you know it it bridges that gap between the choral instruments the piano or the guitar or whatever the choral instrument is between the drums that you know they have pitches but you know they don't have pitches in they don't last in like long. A they don't sense. last long yeah. they last very short mm-hmm. time look i want to play yeah. 5 o roman numeral 1 
Jakovňan. Akademici bez srdce i duša, boj se istine, sve to can. Ne vraćaj se kući, Johnny, ovdje furaju kolektivni pet. Lova je sitna i prendove, nemaš žela ti naučina. Sada klet, kukama ti daju socijalu, brzo se navikneš na zapadni standard. Na noće dame i na legalnu travu, ne budi lud, ne izvjeruj pravdu. Zapadni standard Na noće dame i na legalnu travu Ne budi lud, ne izvjeruj pravdu
Off for Pedro shows his last music for this edition. Five O Roman numeral one. Brandon Beavers, Adam Lyon, and Matt Nelson. Andre Vita out of Berlin with Ig with Iggy. It's hard for me to say that word. I always say it. 
za dožnoja, shit, za dožnoja, yeah, my Slav is pretty bad, sorry, no disrespect, Neto Millix Cooperative, and finally, source Roman numeral four by Matt Nelson and Adam Lyon. Uh, where can people find you on the internet, Matt? Um, I have a website. If you just type in mattnelsonbase.com, you'll find it. Okay. M-A-T-T-N-E-L-S-O-N-B-A-S-S.com. Exactly. Okay. And then that has everything you would need, everything you could listen to that I have available. It's a metaphor for the fanzine. That's right. That goes back 40 years with the movement. What's next for you? Well, I have some recordings that are going to come out soon. Um, me and Adam Lyon and Ben Cohen, who I've made records with separately, we recently formed a trio that was uh, going to tour and play at Big Ears, but all that got canceled because of what's going no, on right postpone, now. But, postpone, Matt, not canceled. Postpone. Exactly. Yes. Excuse me. Postpone. Um, but so we have a recording from before all that that's coming out really soon. Um and uh, and then me and Adam uh, and uh, his musical partner, uh, Ashley Booth, we also have a record that's coming out on the Stripe Light uh, label Great that we label. recorded. Great fucking with, uh, Yeah, man. Yeah, I'm really excited about that one. Um, and uh, and so, you know, when all this is over, that stuff will be out. And hopefully I'll be out touring some more and playing in in some different cities doing my thing. So that's the plan for now. Ass bitching. But, you ever play one of them uprights that don't have an acoustic body? Um, like uh, call them URBs. I played. <laughs> I played a version of one of those. Like a like I had a friend that had like one from like the early nineties. It was just a, some sort of stick bass uh, <laughs> that sounded fucking crazy. Um, uh, just like you know the gra- like growliest sound I've ever heard. Um, but. <laughs> I've never had one myself, though. Okay. So. I thought it'd be a little more convenient, but fuck it. I yeah. Love you guys. I love you guys on the stand-up. Much, much respect. And it's been a big honor to have you aboard, truly. When this new records come out, let's let's maybe we could get a three-way going with or four-way with your, your buddies, you know, on the other uh, bases. And let's talk about yeah. it, though, okay? Because in the meantime, we still got the internet to connect. Yeah, that Thanks sounds so much, that would be man. beautiful, man. Okay, let's get it happening. People, it's been the April 15, 2020 edition of Waffle Pedro Show. Keep your powder dry. <laughs>